0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Designerless Show. My name is Esme, and this podcast is designed to help you take charge of your web presence without hiring a web designer. So, I've been building websites since 1999, and I know a little bit about what's going on on the back end and things that you need to be looking out for as a DIY designer. And that is what this show is all about. Today, I'm talking about something that is not really talked about in the DIY design community, and that is rebranding a website. Rebranding is sometimes necessary. You outgrow your brand, maybe you evolve, maybe you change your business name, or you fire your partner, and things need to get restructured. And when it comes time to rebrand, most entrepreneurs think that they need to have a big team, that they need to be working with all sorts of people who are professionals in the industry because they have no idea what's actually involved with a rebrand. And when you say the word rebrand, then just that word alone can either be met with jubilation or horror. And today I want to dispel some of the reasons that you might be rebranding and also some of the reasons that you should be looking out for specific areas of your business to rebrand, so everything comes together in a cohesive package at the end. This is definitely one episode where you're going to want to take notes, so go ahead, hit pause, grab a pen and a piece of paper, and then I will meet you back here in just a moment. All right, so let's dive into this topic. So what exactly... Is a rebrand? What exactly is involved with a rebrand? And how can you get started doing this? So let me preface this by saying that rebranding is sort of a massive pain in the ass. So I just want to put that out there. This is not something that is necessarily fun to do unless you have nothing else to do. So if you're trying to juggle a rebrand around many other obligations, you're going to want to take that into consideration when you're thinking about your timeline. So you're going to have to account for a lot of different variables, and unless you can only work on your rebrand for a few weeks, you need to plan on this taking a longer amount of time than what you might originally have anticipated. So I know this to be true because I have rebranded multiple times and I'm actually just coming off the end of another rebrand for my business. So the reason that I'm rebranding now is because I own multiple businesses. So my Esme.com personal brand, that is a coaching business. Designerless, obviously here, is my web design business. 42 Yogis is my yoga business and Metro Seeker is my city guide. Now, what I had been doing before is I'd sort of lumped together Esme and Designerless, And in fact, the very first version of the Designerless course was on my personal website. So that's where all the beta members went and the founding members. They all logged in over there. And over the last few months, I've been working on separating the two. But I really started focusing on separating the two brands in just this last month, so just in the month of September, because there were disconnects that were arising. So people were coming to Esme.com and not realizing that I'm also a business coach. It was costing me clients, and that can't stand. So I'm in the middle of switching up where all of my different content can be found, and so I had a little spillover content. So there were some yoga posts that were also on my personal website because I teach yoga, and I love yoga, but those are all over on 42 Yogis, which is also getting a massive overhaul, which I will talk about in another episode, because the technical bits of that might be really interesting to you, or maybe not, I don't know. And Metro Seeker has pretty much been on its own, so that's been a standalone business for uh, six years now, I want to say. I've sort of lost track of time, six years sounds just about right. But my main desire for rebranding was to create clarity among all the different separate distinct elements and business units within my business. So that's what I've been doing and this has resulted in a massive overhaul of my personal brand. And the reason that I had to change everything is because the type of clients and the price point at which I work with them was not being conveyed with the launch theme of the designerless brand which is what i had been using so i had beautiful custom graphics that i made of the new mexico landscape and the starry night sky and you know the sun is going down and there's a spaceship and people can launch their website that was the whole premise behind the original design for designerless Since Designerless was originally on my personal website, that website also reflected that brand. And this was really disorienting for people who were coming to me because they wanted to hire me as a coach. And I know for a fact it lost me at least three big clients. So learn from my mistake here and make sure that you're keeping different parts of your business that are distinct separate parts on their own brand. It's okay to say, oh, by the way, I also run this thing over here, but you don't wanna be muddying the waters. So in my experience, what I've really been noticing in this last year dealing with clients and customers for designerless is the people that I'm attracting with each brand are very, very different. So designerless here attracts people who have low budgets, They don't have the money to go out and hire a web designer or, and this is a much smaller percentage, they're frustrated with having to talk to a designer every time they want to change one picture on their website. And that audience expects a lower price point. They expect more freebies, more resources, whereas my coaching clients are used to paying a premium for coaching services and in order to grow their business, they're used to having a coach and a marketing consultant who is at a certain price point. So, we're talking several thousands of dollars, and the way that you speak to those very distinct groups of people is very, very different. And I had failed myself because I had outgrown the designerless brand that was on my personal website without up-leveling to reflect the people that I actually work with in my coaching practice. And so that was that was definitely a problem. Learn from my mistakes here and really try to keep everything distinct, especially if you have two distinct audiences. So that is my main lesson here. And I just in case you're wondering like how I came to this realization, it's because I was on the phone with a coaching client. And we were wrapping up our call, and she said, you know, I have a question for you. Why is it that you call yourself a web designer when that's only like 30% of what we've done together? And I was just hit with this sensation of, oh my God, I'm an idiot. I should not be calling myself just a web designer when I do all these other things with my coaching clients. I mean, I do strategy, revenue streams, mindset, business systems, and that's mostly what I do with my coaching clients. And so saying, oh, I'm just a web designer, like I had been doing and what I had been conveying with that brand was a detriment and I just didn't see it. So it was a little bit of a case of the shoemakers kids there who run around without shoes, but As part of this rebrand, things have gotten much more clear, much more distinctive. I now have a clear vision of how each of these brands are going to grow. I know that with Designerless in 2018, I am bringing on some other designers to design page kits and to take over some of the day-to-day operations, which I can do now that they are very distinct, separate brands. I don't feel like I have to be doing every single thing myself because my name is not on the door. Now, as part of the rebrand, I've been splitting up all my content and I've been changing all my social media bios and my imagery, and there's a lot of different components involved. So what I'm going to be going over now is what exactly goes into a rebrand and what different elements You should be looking out for and what ones you should rebrand and what ones you can probably leave alone. So, the first thing that you need to do as you're going into a rebrand is to identify the issue. So, you need to know where the problem is, and this is arguably the hardest and most time consuming part because I loved my brand. I loved the New Mexico graphics and the stars, and it was just beautiful. But it wasn't hitting the mark. And it had this sort of funky vibe going on, which was not resonating at all with my ideal coaching clients. So I've outgrown that brand in my coaching business and no longer reflects my coaching business, nor the clients that I serve best. So when you are looking at your brand and you're wondering, okay, so is a rebrand something that I need to do? Do I need to plan for this in a couple of years? I want you to be looking at everything that you're doing from the perspective of, is this serving me in the highest level possible? So am I showing up as my best self inside this brand? And that's really important to be thinking about as you're starting to go through this process because there are going to be elements of your brand that you love and you really don't wanna get rid of. And I'm speaking from experience here. It's your brand and you have an emotional bond to it and there's things that you don't want to let go of. But you need to be asking yourself, is this serving me in the best possible way? And if it's not, then you need to identify the problem. Why is it not? Where is it not? How could you be doing this better? So the next step after you've identified the problem areas is to go ahead and write out the different components of your brand. So everything you do is a reflection of your brand. And I mean everything you do is a reflection of your brand. Your Twitter bio, the images that you share on Instagram, the types of posts you put on Facebook, the types of pins you repin on Pinterest, the fonts you use on your website, your pricing, All of these are a reflection of your brand and just how like your wardrobe is a reflection of the type of person you are. All of these other components, all of these seemingly disconnected quote accessories of your online presence tell the world the type of entrepreneur you are. And it's really important that you bring all of those into unity and use it to create a cohesive brand. So if you have a different profile picture on Twitter, then on Facebook, then on Instagram, then on LinkedIn, it can make people wonder, is this the same person? It can make them feel like you don't pay attention to details. It can make them feel like you're a little less professional. Now, of course, if you don't use LinkedIn, for example then you may not need to be thinking about that. But I want you to be thinking about where you are showing up, how you are showing up, and really do a deep dive inventory of all of these different elements here. And speaking of wardrobe, as I just mentioned a moment ago as a metaphor, your wardrobe is also a reflection of your brand. So if you follow me on social media, if you watch me on Periscope, you'll notice there are only... A very few selection of colors that I will wear on camera. Now, these are by no means the only colors in my wardrobe. I, I have clothes that I don't really wear out of the house, for example, in which case it doesn't matter what they are, or I wear to something that's really particular and exclusive, so that piece of clothing is only for that one type of event. But by and large, if you meet me in person, if you watch me on live stream, I'm only going to be wearing colors from a certain color palette. So it's because I know that when you see pictures of me on my website, when you see pictures that people have snapped of me at an event or a meeting, if you see me on live stream, you need to know that I'm exactly the same person. You need to know exactly what you're going to get. So for example... I used to show up for my coaching calls, which were on video, wearing yoga pants and a yoga sweatshirt and I would just sort of sit there in my yoga gear. Now this worked because I was coaching mostly yoga teachers at the time and that's how we were. So yoga teachers get together and they don't usually wear really nice fancy clothes. They're wearing their yoga clothes because they just got done teaching a class. And by showing up in that way, it really helped build that bond between me and the client. Now, I show up much more professionally. So I wear a nice blouse. I wear a blazer or a dress and a skirt. And I try to really look the part. It's very important to me and my brand that I look the part. So when someone finally has their in-person coaching with me we do a one-day intensive in Chicago for example that I look exactly like the person they hired online so it's a very critical component of your brand and I want you to be thinking about that because it may seem minor but every single thing that you do will build a perception of who you are in the minds of your viewers of your followers and you need that perception to line up with How you actually show up in person. So a couple things that I want you to be thinking about here at this stage of taking inventory of your brand is I want you to be thinking about your social media bios, the language that you use. Do you use a lot of swear words? Are you aggressive? Are you soft spoken? Do you mince your words? I want you to be looking at your sales copy, your fonts, your colors, what to share on social media which includes the tone of your posts. Are they positive? Are they negative? Are they neutral? Are they angry, bitter, resentful? Are they happy, motivating, inspiring? Look at the tone of your post and also look at the hashtags you use. So if you are using hashtags that are really unprofessional, then it may be hurting your brand, even though it may look fun. Now, on the other hand, if you are someone who works almost exclusively with millennials, with people who are just going into college, they're maybe trying to figure out how to navigate the college world, it's okay to use more fun and less professional hashtags because your audience will be using them too. So your audience will identify you as someone that they can relate to. I also want you to be looking at your logos. The images that you use in your blog posts, if you're using grainy photos just taken with an old iPhone, stop doing that. Go out and get some nice free photos. You can get those at Unsplash, Pexels, Libra Stock, or you could even sign up for a styled stock service like Hot Chocolate or SC Stock Shop and get some really good photos that reflect your brand but also the type of person that you want to be serving. Then I want you to be looking at your headshots. Take a really long look at your profile pictures, at the images you use on your about page, and look in the mirror. Does this look like you? Because there's nothing worse than meeting someone that you hired online in person and going, holy shit, this looks nothing like them. It's like that online dating trope where you meet someone online and you get it on really well with them and you know this really gorgeous guy and he's ripped and he's got these great muscles and this great smile and you meet him in person and he's five feet tall overweight and reminds you of Danny DeVito so there's a big disconnect and you may wonder oh well if it's still me is it still okay only to a certain extent. If it is clearly outdated, if you've gained a lot of weight, if you've lost a lot of weight, if you drastically changed your hairstyle, these are things that will make you look like not quite the same person when you show up. So it's important to be looking at your headshots from a branding perspective. Now, the best picture that you have for yourself may be five or ten years old, and that's why you may be using it, but I guarantee when you show up in person... People are going to go, huh? And you don't want them to go, huh? You want them to go, oh, this is the person I hired. And then last but not least on this list of taking inventory of your brand, who is it you want to attract and does your brand convey that? So if you're looking to work mostly with nerds or geeky people and your website is super high-end and luxurious you're not going to be necessarily attracting that type of client. Where on the other hand, if you want to be attracting people who are higher end and luxurious and you have a website that's inspired by comic books, you're going to miss the mark there too. So step three here is I want you to do research now on your ideal client. So once you've thought just a little bit about who it is you want to attract and you've got a general idea of yes or no, this cohesive brand that I've been building and my website align or not, it's time to do research about the type of brand you wish to have. So who do you want to attract? Who are they? Where do they hang out? What do they read? What do they think about? What do they enjoy? This process takes a lot of effort, but it is worth doing because without knowing who your clients are, it is very hard to market to them. So it's very hard to know the types of words they're using and the way they speak if you don't spend time doing research. Once you know who they are, it's time to hang out where they hang out and read what they read. So if they're in certain Facebook groups, then you can join those Facebook groups and just watch. You don't have to interact. You can just watch and see how people are acting, see the words that they're using, see the way they talk about themselves and their businesses or their health, if you're a health coach, take notes about their struggles, triumphs, goals, dreams, everything, and start reading what they read. If your ideal client is a digital nomad, I want you to start reading travel and leisure magazine, National Geographic. I want you to inhale the articles. I want you to immerse yourself in the pictures. I want you to watch blogs and read about travel. I want you to hop on Periscope and follow people who are really into travel. I want you to be immersing yourself in the culture that your ideal clients are coming from. And then I want you to also go to the newsstand. So even if you don't have an actual newsstand near you, go to the grocery store or the bookstore. And I want you to buy a whole bunch of magazines that would appeal to your ideal reader, your ideal customer, your ideal follower on social media. And I want you to then dissect all of the articles. Now, what do I mean by dissect the uh, the articles? So I want you to pay attention to the way the articles are structured. So do they mostly do list posts or are they breaking it down so there's a distinct flow and it goes from a really nice opening paragraph and then there's a sudden shift into the main talking points or is it more gradual do they use longer words do they use more obscure words or do they use more common everyday verbs I'm um, <clears throat> excuse me words and I want you to pay attention to that because this is going to really help you in terms of crafting the right language in your sales copy on your new website and I want you to pay very close attention to the advertisements in these magazines because advertisements are written by a team of copywriters who know what the audience of that publication is going to best respond to. Ads are tested over and over again and they're polished very very professionally and over the course of often many weeks because professional advertisers know that it costs a lot of money to put an ad in a magazine that doesn't work. And you don't get the same types of real-time feedback data like you do for Facebook ads, so you can't just go tweak it in real time. So it has to be perfect and perfectly aligned to that ideal customer when it goes into the magazine. So you know if someone is using the same types of words and the same imagery, over and over again in a publication, if you keep seeing it appearing as a trend among the advertisers, you know it's because it's hitting the right mark with the readers of that magazine. So step four here is I want you to examine how you're going to be evolving your brand. So now that you know who your ideal clients are, what they're thinking about, struggling with, hopes and dreams, I want you to go back to that list of things that you're going to be rebranding and write out how you're going to change them and how you're going to up-level them. Now, in my case, I had to do a complete brand overhaul. In your case, you may not need to up-level everything. So your social media bios may be fine and you can just leave those alone. If your headshots are current, then you don't need to change those. So on a piece of paper here, I want you to make two columns in one column, write out the component that you're going to be changing. And in the second, write out the basic idea of how you're going to be changing it. Now, this doesn't have to be perfect because you're going to be adding things to the list and you're going to be crossing things off when you realize, you know, this is actually not critical. But as you go through this process, you're going to be making additional notes. And I want you to be open minded to the fact that this is a dynamic experience. It's not static. The important thing here is to just get it down on paper. And then step five is to start making changes. So for the things that you cannot change now, don't worry about it too much. And just write down a target date. So for nice headshots, for example, you're probably going to have to book with a photographer. So write a goal for the date that you want those headshots alive. Because also the way life and the space-time continuum works, you cannot do everything immediately and that's okay. But for the things that you can do now, I want you to start doing them now. And also it's a misconception that you have to wait until all the pieces are done to roll out your rebrand. So you may have noticed that my website started changing. So I got my new logo up, my blog header started changing, while other parts of my website hadn't yet changed. And that is totally okay. You're allowed to do that because in my experience, waiting until everything is perfect means that you're probably not going to do it for a couple more months and you don't want to put it off, get the ball rolling, and you can just explain to people, you know what, I'm rebranding. And if you want to see behind the scenes, I'm going to share about that over on Periscope or Facebook Live or whatever, but don't let it stop you. And... Part of the big reason here is because when you're starting to look at your, your rebrand, when you've got all those notes in front of you about your clients and where you need to up level your brand, whether it's you know, just your social media or your website too, you are probably looking at that and going, oh my God, that's a lot of stuff to do. And when it looks really overwhelming, when it feels intimidating, you're more likely to go fuck it and not do it. And I don't want you to be holding yourself back if your brand really does need to change and evolve. So there are three things that you can go do on your website right now, especially if you're using WordPress that you don't have to book out for. you don't necessarily need to go hire someone to teach you how to do it. You don't need to be putting in a ton of time and effort here either. So you can change your logo You can change your blog graphics, go on over to Canva, make some new graphics, get those uploaded, and then change your fonts. Your font is one of the biggest branding components on your entire website because your font speaks to different demographics. So people who are on the lower price end of the spectrum kind of expect pedestrian sans-serif fonts. Whereas people who are on the higher end of the spectrum, they expect a certain class and polish that you get from a serif font. So you can go do those now without having to go learn anything, without necessarily having to do any research. You can just go on your website and make those changes. The other thing that you may want to be doing on your website as part of this rebrand is changing your colors. So you'll notice that I went from a big, bold, pink and purple website to more muted, I'm using rose gold, navy, peach, and white as my main colors now. And you can go start to make those changes. So you can go into your theme customizer, you can change the link colors, you can change your heading colors, and you can even go in and start to change the background colors if you're using your uh, boxed layout on your website you can make these changes and start to get the ball rolling on your rebrand so you can build up the momentum and you can really start to feel like this is getting pulled together without having to beat yourself over the head wondering how you're going to make it all happen. So Take the small wins here, make minor changes on your website, and you will start to see a big change in the way your brand starts to evolve. Now, I know this was a long episode, so I want to invite you to go on over to designerlist.com and get the notes for this episode. So I typed up a whole bunch of notes beforehand, and I want you to, to just go read those and really get a better idea of what it is that is involved and how you're going to do it, because you may not want to be listening to this episode over and over again. I know I gave you a ton of information. And also, I want you to send me a message because sending me a message is going to really help me know how I can best serve you. So it's going to really help me know what it is you're looking for on this podcast. And also, if you have any particular questions about this episode, I want to hear them because I can help you with your rebrand. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. The internet has changed. So should the way you bank. PNC Virtual Wallet for Digital Banking. It's time for a change. Now through March 31st, earn up to $300 when you open and use a select new virtual wallet product. Simply establish a qualifying direct deposit. To learn more, visit a branch or pnc.com slash checking offer. PNC Bank. Make today the day. Virtual Wallet is a registered trademark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association Member FDIC.